I'll give way for my sister, Pastor Cordelia, to take off from there. So, pornography as it is, is an enemy of our generation. It's an enemy of our generation. And I see it as one of the greatest form of addiction because it carries the same power as a cocaine would carry. It carries the same power as a cocaine would carry. But you would ask me why I say it's more dangerous and an enemy is because it works with your brain. So whoever sniffs a cocaine has the yearning to go back to it. That's an effect that it gives. It gives you the craving to go back to it. But for a cocaine, you would have to have the cocaine to sniff it again, right? So I won't get high if I don't have the cocaine in my hand, right? So I can't just mentally think of alcohol and I get high and get drunk, right? We're talking about alcoholism and so on. So it means that there has, in those forms of addiction, there has to be something that I would take in. But this is what pornography does. It's a visual thing. It creates whatever you've looked at in your mind. So the effect is there, even without you looking at the porn. Even without you looking at it, because fixing your eyes on it, your brain captures it and it keeps that image for a while. There's, most of us, we've looked at some certain things that you don't get irritated afterwards by seeing that same thing, but you get goosebumps by thinking or by remembering what you actually saw, right? You've looked at something very irritating, for example, then you're trying to explain it to somebody else, but thinking about it alone is giving you the same feeling that you had. Am I right? So it's the same thing with pornography. So it is a great enemy. Whatever it is, whatever image that you've fixed your eyes on, whatever video that you've seen, whatever magazine you've looked at, whatever thing that you've fed your mind, your brain, your spirit with, it has the ability to give you that same effect when you think about it, even without looking at it. So it is a, a dangerous addiction, and it is a serious one, because by statistics, a whole lot of Christians are addicted to porn. From statistics, a whole lot of Christians are addicted to pornography because we are trying to satisfy something. And the reason why it's a dangerous addiction is that it is almost everywhere now. You don't have to search for it. It comes to you. You open your, your sites, you see it pop up. It's free. I remember when people had to go buy porn magazines from the shops. They would have to go to the shop to purchase it because it wasn't allowed. You, you won't find it anywhere. But now it's free. You open your web and you are seeing 
free porn sites. You don't have to pay for it anymore. The enemy has made it so open and easily accessible. And easily accessible. And the reason why I, I said what I said about the effect and, and what it does to your mind is so that when you see someone who is going with the struggle, who has the struggle of um, the addiction to pornography, you have an idea what the person is going through. It's more of a mind. It's an enemy that attacks your eyes, feeds your spirit, feeds your mind. So it has eaten deep into that person. So you have an idea of what the person is going through. But there's nothing that Jesus doesn't give us hope for, including pornography. Do we believe that? Do we believe that when we say that there's nothing too big for God to do, including that it's a struggle that can also be broken out of? It's a struggle that is so common. And it's one that the enemy wants us to keep silent so we can be in a community let's let's narrow it down to believers we can be in a community of believers and i go tell pastor ivy ah pray for me i'm seeking for a job or pray for me i'm 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 down in my body pray for me um i'm looking forward to getting this breakthrough getting this healing but you you would hardly find somebody to say you had to find me going to tell Pastor Ivy, please pray for me. I'm going through the struggle of this particular addiction. Am I right? Am I right? So it's something that the enemy wants us to keep silent. So it would keep eating us up. So he would keep having his way in us. And um, pornography affects us in so many ways. It affects us in so many ways. It affects, it affects you. It affects your relationship with others. And it affects your relationship with God as well. So it affects you. The scripture makes us understand that we are what? We are what? The temple of, of God. So um, she's not talking about masturbation. Pornography leads to that. Because of what you fed your mind with, you would want to carry out what you have seen. So, it begins to weaponize your body. A place that God has actually said what is where he dwells, is where he sits, is where he stays. So, we begin to make it dirty. We begin to use it to satisfy other pleasures outside of his pleasure. Now, how does it affect others? How does it affect others? It makes you see others as objects of sex. It makes you see others as objects of sex. So, so it makes me, for, for the opposite sex, a male is looking at a female. And you are seeing her. She's, she's putting on clothes, but you are, you are visualizing her naked because of what your mind has actually fed you. You begin to see her as an object through which you can satisfy a sexual craving and a sexual pleasure that you have because of what you fed your mind with. It affects even our future. For the, for, for, for the females, now statistics will put it out there that 
um, we find more of the male folks addicted to pornography than the females, than the females. But you actually have a good number of ladies who actually are addicted to porn. Yes, it's not a zero percent. It is there, but we have a higher percentage on the male side. Now, for the lady, you look at a man, and all that comes to your mind is that man that you have seen. Is um, how big his manhood is. Is how you begin to compare, compare him with images that you, you are comparing him with images that you have fed your mind with. I am opportune to have been in the, in the company of several ladies who, who objectify men. Like, before we would date, I need to be sure of certain things. It's a flawed standard. Because of what they are seeing, I need to be sure that he is big enough to satisfy me. I need to be sure that he is not a two-minute man. Because you've seen videos of people probably having sex for one hour, non-stop. It's not real. Pornography is not real. That's not the actual design of, that's not the template of sex from heaven. God created it for something in a particular way, designed it for pleasure between married people. So it affects your relationship with another person. You begin to see the person as, 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 as an object to satisfy a craving. It is selfish. It makes you selfish. Will he be able to satisfy me? Will she be able to have eight rounds of sex? You are having that because of what you have seen. Because of what you have fed your mind with. So it affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with others. It brings you to a point of isolation. Isolation. You just want to be alone. You just want to be in the dark alone. Because people who watch porn always want to watch it alone. Because they know that it will probably lead to sexual arousals. And it will lead them to what Pastor Cord is going to talk about. It will lead them to masturbation. So they always want to do it alone. It brings you to the point of isolation. God did not create you to be isolated units. No. He created us to live together. He created us to be communal beings, not isolated units. So it affects you, it affects others, it gives you a flawed standard of what sex is actually about. It makes you weaponize your body just to satisfy those cravings and desires. It offers a satisfaction that is immediate. That is immediate, there and then. There and then. There and then. It's, it's, it erodes love out of your dictionary. Let's just get on with it. And it, it gives you unreasonable targets for sex. Unreasonable targets. So you see young people, they find themselves, ah, I wish I can. I will do anything to be able to have 20 rounds of, of sex. Why? It's because of what they have seen. It's because of what they have watched. It's because of what you have fed your mind with. 
Those are the little effects of pornography. Now, another thing that it does to us is that over time, one who is addicted to pornography never feels, it desensitizes your body. So it makes you see the sin as something that you can hide and cope with because you are doing it alone and in secret. So it desensitizes you to the sin. So it makes you not have the conscience anymore to know that it is actually a sin. So you have people who would say that I am watching porn. I need us to listen to this because it's actually real. I am watching porn because I want to know how to have sex when I get married. Yes. If I don't watch it, how do I know what to do? So that person no longer has the mind that it is actually a sin. So the conscience no longer pricks the person because the person feels like I am teaching myself. When the Bible says if we teach you how to do all things, including that, yes, including sex in marriage, is when you now restrict your mind to thinking that no, sex is dirty. It is not dirty. It is created for a time and it is created for a purpose. It is designed. So if you are actually able to build yourself in that mind, you would always know that for any time I engage in this, it is a sin. A lot of young persons now give themselves valid reasons for watching this. Oh no, I don't want to go out there to sleep with a man. I don't want to go out there to sleep with a woman. So why don't I just watch this thing, satisfy myself, clean out and come out. Nobody would know. It is a sin, but you've allowed the sin to desensitize you and make, make your conscience come to the point of zero. So there's nothing pricking you when you do that. There's nothing pricking your mind anymore when you watch it. After all, well, it's for a purpose. No. God doesn't use sin to teach you what he wants to teach you. The only thing he uses to teach you is his spirit, the word of God. Praise God. So I'll allow my sister to take off from here. I was looking at the timer and I'll come back afterwards. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, we'll be talking about masturbation this evening. Without um, pornography, masturbation becomes more difficult. Because for you to masturbate, there must be a picture in your mind. You must, have, you must have thought of something. You will not just wake up and want to masturbate. Praise God. There must be a picture in your mind. That's number one. Then number two, most people that are lonely, the devil brings in loneliness. When you are lonely or you think you are not worth it, I don't know the right word to put. Maybe you think you are, you are not attractive. People don't like you. You are just on your own. People tend to keep to themselves. And that's where the devil sees an opportunity to come in. Praise God. Praise God. And most people that must be, they have this sense of guilt. They just feel that something is not normal with them. You won't know, but you see them, they, are always, they always want to be on their own. If you even want to pass a night in their house, they are not comfortable with anybody around them. Because they are used to themselves and themselves alone. 
praise God. They have this sense of guilt. They have this, I don't want to use the word inferiority complex. But they look at themselves as inferior to others. Praise God. They want to just do things on their own the way, the way it suits them. Praise God. And it damages their relationship with other people. For example, if you have, if you are in a relationship that leads to marriage and you do th those kind of things, how do you think the relationship will be? Do you understand? Can you open up to your partner and tell them that I do this? Can you open up to your partner and tell them that you do this? Because most people that do it, they feel it's something that they should keep to themselves. As in, they should keep it as a secret. They don't, it's not something people are proud of. It's not something people can brag about. You can hold your cigarette in your hand and smoke it anytime, but you cannot masturbate and just tell anybody that this is what you do. Except you, are, you have a partner that you do it together. Do you understand? Praise God. Then number two, most people that find themselves in those things, the devil have told them so many lies about themselves. The devil has told them so many lies about themselves. The first lie is that they cannot do without it. That's how they were created. Praise God. Just like people saying they are now male. Suddenly they just discover that they are male and they cannot do without, they, they cannot be a female. They just, they never have told them so many lies about themselves. And they just accept that lies and they start living like that. So the first thing you should know is that the devil has been a liar from the foundation of the earth and he keeps lying to you. Whenever he, that's the only way he can attack young people. That's the only way he can, with lies, lies upon lies. Praise God. In the book of um, John chapter 8, John chapter 8 verse 34 to 36. If you have your Bible, just open to it. You will see that this God is telling us that he don't want us to be a slave to sin. Because anything you are addicted to, you become a slave to it. Praise God. And the lie is that you think once you do it once or twice, some people start it, maybe their partner is not around or something happens, you do it once. And you think after that once, you just stop it. But you discover that you keep doing it. And anything you do, and you do, you cannot do it. You are a slave to it. Praise God. And God doesn't want us to be a slave to sin. Let's open our Bible to that, please. John chapter 8, verse 34 to 36. Please, if you are there, just read for us. John 8, 34 to 36. Praise God. Hallelujah. What this place is telling us is that though if we sin, if we, if we are addicted to something, we become a slave to it. But the good news in that place is that whoever the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. Do you get it? So don't ever tell yourself that you are too used to it, that you cannot get out of it. It's not true. Praise God. There is nothing that God cannot set you free from. So put that at the front of your mind. Praise God. Then work on your thoughts. The first thing that pollutes us is our thoughts. Work on your thoughts. The things you think about. The things you see. The things you allow into your heart. Praise God. 
Well, let's open our Bible also to Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Then somebody should help us open to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. God, because of time, if somebody, if you are there, just read. Once you are there, read so that we can move ahead fast. Galatians 5, verse 1. Who is there? For in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Praise God. Hallelujah. This verse is telling us that God, the first place we read was that God is able to set us free and we are, we are free. Then this verse is saying we should not go back to where we are coming from. Stand fast in that which you have uh, professed. Don't go back to where you are coming from. Yes, you have been doing this because today I don't just want us to come here and talk about what it does, how they do it, the meaning, the definition. It's how to get out of it. That's what we are talking about. Now that you know that this thing is not it's not good. It's a sin. How do you come out of it? We read the other scripture, and this place is telling us that we should hold fast to that which we believe. Praise God. How do you hold fast to it? Number one is by fellowship. Those that are not around today will not learn from what we are learning today. Do you understand? So when you come together as brethren, you learn from them, and it, it makes you better. Do you understand? Then number two is by prayer. There is nothing prayer cannot do. When you are in your closest, if there's anything that you want God to do for you, when you pray to him, what does he do? He hears you and gives you answer. Praise God. Then number two, you talk to people. You talk to people. There are some things that happens in your life. The devil don't want you to speak it out because when you say it, solution will come. Don't be, don't be afraid to talk to people. That's why we have pastors in church. If you are going through any form of um, addiction, that you know that is eating you up spiritually and physically. You can talk to people about it. Praise God. Then God is interested in our body. That's the next thing I want to talk about. Don't think your body is for you. God is interested in your body. What does he say? He says our body is the temple of the living God. Praise God. When you sin, you sin against, when you sin, the sin of masturbation, the sin of fornication is against your body. So some people will say, because the sin is against my body, it's my body. I decide how to use it. You should know that God is interested in your body because it's in your body that the Holy Spirit lies. Do you get it? So it's not just your property like your phone. You do whatever you do with your phone. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you must respect it. Just imagine, not even, just, let's not say um, God is living in your body. Just imagine inviting a special guest to your house. How will you treat the person? Then imagine the Holy Spirit staying permanently in your body. With that, you should, know, you should know how to behave better. Praise God. Then the next one is, come boldly to God. Don't be afraid of God. God is your father and is your friend. The truth is, when you are struggling with an addiction, at times you will be free from it. I've tried before with this Coke. When you say, I don't want to drink Coke and Pepsi again. For some time, you discover that you've kept it. One week has passed, two weeks have passed, three weeks have passed. You have not drank Coke. Suddenly, somebody will just show you one cold ice Coke. And you see yourself going back. Don't give up. 
the fact that you went back to it doesn't mean that God has failed you. Do you understand? You, you can still go back and ask God for forgiveness because God never gives up on you. Praise God. Then the last one, I'll talk about before my mama continues is flee from any, any appearance of evil. Flee. They are in your phone. When you just see them and it is tempting you to press, click, click, flee. Then if you have friends also that are teaching you things or you have people that you're hanging out with that are teaching you things that you know that they corrupt you. Because most times it's the things we talk about among girls. We just talk about um, a, a man that is like this. When you see a man's toe, you will know the kind of thing he has. When you see a man's this, then when you get home, you start processing those thoughts. Do you understand? Some, some people are really analytical. If you see them talking about some things, you wonder where they get those ideas from. The best thing for you to do is to flee from those such gadgets because the truth is when you get home, when you are lonely, in your quiet place, especially when Brother John has just broken your heart, those thoughts will start coming. You want to do some things that naturally you will not do. That's why it's better to avoid some kind of cliques, some kind of conversations. That's why the Bible says, be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's not because um, if you play with them or do anything, anything will happen to you. But sometimes the things they say, they go a long way to affect you. Do you understand? They go a long way to affect you and the way you think. When you get home, when the serpent told um, Eve, you will not surely die. She processed it. Surely die. So if I eat it, she said, oh yeah, test it. And she said, she discovered that she did not surely die. She gave it to Adam. Do you understand? So please, the best thing you should do at, in this generation is to flee, especially from your phone. Not even from friends, because all these things, they are right in your phone. Flee from those sites that you will just say, okay, I will not go inside. Let me just watch the, just that first page. Before you know it, you are from there, enter the other one. And some, some um, is it um, shows they do on television, or I don't know. There are some shows that make you want to, to, to stimulate you. Let me use that word. There are some shows that stimulate you also. There are some novels. Those of you ladies that like reading novels, those Philippines novels and those things, you know that they are not good for you. You are alone in a dark room all by yourself and you are reading or listening to some things that you know will be harmful to you. So please, by yourself, flee. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So how do we get off most of all these addictions. The truth is that whatever she's saying as regards that is applicable to every every form of addiction that you might be going through. But there's something I want you to know that if you are dealing with an addiction, you don't overcome it by willpower. I can. I can. Is it not this thing? Is it not just that? It's never by willpower. Because it's two forces fighting to take over your mind. The reason why you no longer have control over it is because your spirit man has been corrupted already. So there is a struggle. Every addiction carries its own spirit. 
there is a struggle, be it masturbation, be it alcoholism. So for you to break out, for there to be a replacement, it means that there have to be something that I call a soul refresher. And it is only done by you first acknowledging that I don't refresh my soul by myself. It is the grace of God that refreshes my soul. And the Bible says what? Renew your mind and the word of God. So I acknowledge that willpower is not going to break me out of this addiction. It is only by the grace of God. It is only by the grace of God. And what willpower does for you is that it grates you by your performance. Mm -mm. It's not by performance. Like, you don't beat anything by performance. Everything that you have to beat in is dependent on God's grace released upon you to defeat that particular thing. So you have to first of all acknowledge that I have hope that the grace of God is available to defeat this particular thing. Before you acknowledge that, you have to come to repentance first and foremost. Forgiveness is what releases strength to you to be able to acknowledge grace. And what does grace do? It says what? Come to the throne of grace that you might obtain what? Mercy. So it doesn't mean that your journey to overcoming any addiction is just going to be straight up. You didn't start it once. When you actually started off on that addiction, you struggled because you knew that you were not doing the right thing. Okay, no, 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 no. I won't do it then. You find yourself going back to it. A child doesn't crawl and stand in a day. So acknowledge that it's going to take a process of time. But in that process of time, grace is released for me because I have gone to God and he has forgiven me and strength is released. After that, what do I do? Seek to confess that sin. Anything you hide in the dark will always haunt you. Talk to somebody about it. This is what I am going through. Like I said, we, we, have, we, we are so at, 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 at liberty and we don't struggle to come up with, oh, this is my prayer point. It is a prayer point. Tell somebody that you know can handle it. Be accountable to somebody for that thing. It shows that you are serious to overcome it. When I say be accountable, I did not say be graphic. So, because when you tell people, confess your sin, they, they, they begin to go into, how do I now start explaining all of this? Like, this is how, for, I didn't say be graphic, confess, let someone know. Let there be someone in the know that this is a struggle that we are go I am going through. And I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. The moment you begin to keep seeing in the dark, it will remain, it will continue to grow. But once it comes to the open, it's easier to overcome. Cut off the triggers. There are certain things people go into alcoholism because they are probably frustrated, because they are stressed out. Oh, I just feel so tired. They are bored. What else would I do? They are, they are anxious over something. They are lonely. Cut off the triggers. What triggers you to go to that particular thing? Is it an association? Is it a particular stress? Is it anxiety? Is it this? Cut it off. Is it technology? Pornography feeds on technology. 
in our day. You find it in stores, you find it in books, but today you find it everywhere. You're carrying it with you. Have the discipline to cut it off and stay away off that trigger. You can't keep fire in your pocket and not get burned. So the moment you keep that trigger close by, it would burn you. You will keep going back to that sin. Now, someone might say it is technology. I can't do away with it. If you value holiness and value your Christian life, you would value cutting away from that sin. So if you are in that struggle consistently, it shows that your, your value for your Christian life has, is shaky. Your value for holiness and purity is shaky because purity is something that we never want to speak about in our generation of today. It is shaky. If I value being in oneness with God, being in oneness with the Father, if I value the fact that his spirit now lives on the inside of me, which is not to be corrupted, I will do away with that trigger until I am able to discipline myself to see it and look away. You know, when Jesus was saying that if these eyes make you sin, what did the Bible say? Pluck it out. If this hand makes you sin, what did he say? Pluck it out. He wasn't actually saying cut off your hand, my dear. He wasn't actually saying cut off your leg. What Jesus was saying, this is the direct application of it. Cut off everything that would trigger the sin. Cut off everything that would trigger the sin. Cut off everything that would trigger it. Cut it off. And I say something, starve the beast. Pornography, masturbation, they are beasts that, that, that they are affecting our souls. Starve it. Whatever you starve will die. So if technology is feeding the sin, starve it. So what do I mean? I might need to unfollow some accounts on Instagram. I might need to follow some pages on Facebook. I might need to do away with some things that make those sites pop up. I am starving the beast. If I don't feed it, it will not grow. The reason why it's probably a long struggle is because you fed it over time. Do not consistently stay in a negative emotion. Do not consistently stay in a negative emotion. That is where the enemy tries. That is where the enemy tries. That is where the enemy tries. Do not consistently stay in a negative emotion. The Bible is all about, the Christian life is all, all about faith. It's all about joy. It's all about love. It's all about peace. Constantly see those as the fruits that I should bear at every point in time. Let your mind be fixed on it. Praise God. Praise God. Are we together? Are we together? I want us to understand that the real issue with any addiction is a heart issue. If your heart, if you give your heart to God to renew and allow him walk you through the process, some people might say, oh, if I go and tell this person now, they will know what I am going I am going through, that we know all of that. That's just the enemy keeping you away from defeating the particular sin. That's just the enemy keeping you away from dealing with that issue that is eating up your heart. 
It's killing you. You know it's wrong, but you can't stop it. Because you're ashamed that if they know, what would they say? I would have a tainted image out there. I'd rather have that image out there than have one that is out there that looks purified, looks clean, but inside is so dirty. So it means that I value my life in God and how it is than how it is in the face of men. So some persons haven't actually come out with their struggles because you are still trying to look at how they would see me. Say it, speak it. The truth is that I said we are led by the Spirit of God and he leads us into all truth. It's a slogan that I have. He would lead you to the right person to tell if you give him the opportunity to. So it's okay for you to say simple prayers like that. God, lead me to the person to tell concerning this struggle. It seems so irrelevant, but it is important. So when we say confess, somebody, some people go like, no, I, I want to talk this one for outside. It is. If the king can come to Christ at night and say, what, how do I become born again? In secret, do I have to go back into my mother's womb? It was something eating him up. He knew that I can't do it, come and say this thing out publicly. But there was a way because there was a yearning in the heart. So, um, people who handle those that are addicted to pornography and other form of addiction, they, they, they say this, they have to see your, your zeal to break out of it. And that's the first point with, with which a therapist would work with you. Do you have the zeal to break out of it? Is it a yearning in your heart to break out of it? You are not talking to a therapist now, you are talking to God. So, submit that thing to him and understand that he would lead you to who to talk to. Who will lead you to the guidance and the counsel that you need. Praise God. The Bible says, guide your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Guide your heart. Guide it. Guide it. Your heart has been fed with the wrong things because it was not guided. Your heart has been fed with the wrong thoughts because it was not guided. Guide your heart with truth. The truth in God's word. This is what God actually says about this particular thing. This is what God actually says about me. Now, when I say that some people are addicted to porn because they feel that I'm learning what I will do when I get married, it seemed funny but is the truth to some persons. But let me tell you something. They've not come to the understanding in God's word that he can teach you everything. They've not guided their hearts with that word that I can be taught by the spirit of God anything. Anything. Please, in this congregation, is there anybody that feels like God can't teach you sex? Just raise your hand. You feel like, no, that one God will not teach me. It's too holy. Why did he create it? Why did he create the desire? He's too holy to delve into the areas. No. No. 
When it's time, he will teach you what to do. He would teach you. The craving, he created it. He would teach you. So don't, it's, 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 it's funny, but it's a strategy of the enemy. You have to know these things before you get married. Guy, don't marry like that. You go for your hand. No, guy, stay off. Babe, so you just marry like that. You don't know anything. How will you do on your wedding night? You go and be acting like novice. I am saying this because this is what people actually go through. Don't bend your head and be looking back and say, ah, what am I saying? It is the truth. It is the truth. It is not weird. How will I know where to touch a woman? <laughs> Why are you people laughing like this? How would I know where to touch a woman? How would I know where, where are triggers, where are, where are good spots? How would I know all those things? You didn't create the body. The person who has the manual to everything is your teacher. So why are you in a hurry to know? Why don't you submit when it's time he will tell you what to do? So it's actually a hard thing. Once your heart is renewed and you understand what the word of God says concerning your body, concerning your body, there are some things that you would be able to defeat. There are some things that you'll be able to defeat. Now, um, um, somewhere somebody said fasting. Fasting helps us to deal with addiction. Fasting helps us to deal with addiction. So um, if you can fast from simple things like food, like food, I decide not to take lunch today. I decide not to do breakfast and lunch today. If you can make such little decisions, when it comes to bigger appetites of your body and cravings of your body, you can't make such decisions to say no to them. Because from, from studies, hunger is one of the desires of our flesh that can make us do anything. When you are hungry, <laughs> there are some people that they can't just handle hunger. They can't just handle, no, thirst. They can, if I'm thirsty, I would walk the length and breadth of this world to drink water. If I'm hungry, I would, if I do not be focused again because of hunger. So if you can fast and handle such desires of your body when it comes to bigger appetites, because this thing, Pornography is you trying to satisfy something that your body is craving for. Masturbation is you satisfying something that your body is yearning for. So, if you can defeat such little desires in fasting, when it comes to bigger appetites of your body, you should be able to overcome. That's one prerequisite for overcoming pornography. Then, in my conclusion, I would say, stop trying. Stop trying. The issue is not about trying. It's about you retraining yourself. It's about you retraining yourself. You have tried by decisions. You have tried by what your mind has told you to do. But you actually really need to retrain your heart on what it actually needs to feed on. If you don't retrain your heart to feed on God's word and 
what actually confirms the heart and renews it, it will go back to the same circle. So it's actually a matter of retraining. Then lastly, Galatians 5.16. That will be my final. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16 said, but I say, I'm reading the AMPC version. So it says, but I say, walk and live habitually. I need you to just listen carefully. Walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to, controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? The flesh is human nature without God. Human nature without God in it. So if you can retrain your mind to live by the spirit of God, this, th that version says habitually. So I'm trying to defeat this thing. So I'm retraining my mind to habitually live by what God says I should do per time, per minute, per second. If I can retrain myself to walk by his spirit, be controlled and be guided by his spirit. I will not gratify the cravings of my body to no longer be me living by what I want to do, what my body has said to do. The reason why you are going back there is because there has been um, and there has been a craving released by the first time you watched it. So you are going back there because your body wants you to watch it again. Your eyes wants you to see it again. Your body wants to feel that same touch again by yourself. So, but if I can walk by the spirit of God, I'm going to be controlled and be guided by his spirit. And do not forget, his spirit would always lead you into all truth. Praise God. what I would say is the word is not our standard. We don't live by uh, what the word thinks is right or is not right. The word is not our standard. So as a believer, that's, there's one thing I've done for myself. I don't, I don't have double life. Anything I cannot wear to church, I cannot wear it at home. Anything I cannot do in church, I don't do it at home. Because God is in us. We come here together to fellowship. Think about it like this. We come here to fellowship, but we carry God in us. So if we are doing anything, we should be conscious that the God is not in the church, is in us. So when you are living, you live like someone that God is always present with you. So don't, don't, um, don't do things by the word approver. The word will tell you that masturbation is not um, evil, it's good, it has many benefits. But what does God tell you? Praise God. And what does your conscience tell you? So as a believer, I will leave you with this. God should be your standard. No other standard. No other. No other standard. God is the standard. Even if you live here and nobody is there, you are alone. Or you leave this country and go to Gambia, where nobody knows that you are a pastor or you are a Christian. God should also be your standard. Praise God. Because most of us, we have double standards. That's why we, fall, we easily fall into things like this. When we are at church, we have like a church, um, I don't know how to put it. Then when we are out there, we do other things. Anything you know you cannot do in your secret, don't do it. 
Anything you know you cannot do in church, don't do it in your secret. Praise God. That was how I live my life, and I think it will help you a long way. So anytime you find yourself in that situation, just imagine that you're in church and everybody's looking at you. Do you get the point now? Don't think um, anytime you do those things, because people are not there, that's the trick of the devil. Anytime you find yourself in that situation, just imagine pastor smiling, looking at you. <laughs> or just imagine me looking at you. Praise God. Because God is there with you. He's there. He's right there. Praise God. Then the lastly, is our present help in time of need. He's always present. He's our present help in time of need. There's nobody that has not struggled with one thing or the other. And there's nobody that has ever been addicted to, or there are people that have been addicted to masturbation, pornography, and they have broken free from it. If there are people that have done that, you can do that too. There is nothing too difficult for God to do. And there is nothing too difficult for you to do because you have God inside of you. Praise God. Questions? Those talks that, is, to ask your that is making your mouth swell up, start asking them now. Please feel free. Please feel free. Uh, there's nothing to be shy about because if you are doing it, you are not shy. So if you are watching online, don't be shy. Anybody question, just raise your hand. Okay. Can we have a microphone passed to him? If you can't uh, write, uh, say your question, you can write it and pass it along quickly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, thank you very much for talking about this. I, first of all, I want to ask, uh, I want to say that no matter how or where we find ourselves, what we do, these things, they just flash over our faces every day. I could remember clearly when um, we used to watch some home videos, when it gets to the bedroom scene, the next thing they just show um, clothes on the ground, then everywhere will just go blank out. But now, what we see now is more visualized than how we don't even know what they do before but now with what they do you just you just normal home video or movies you just see these things and then i'm addicted to um twitter that's the only social media that i can stay a whole day that i must go on then on twitter you you learn a lot of things, you see a lot of things. Even accounts that you don't follow, they pop up and they bring out these things. So how do you, because now on Twitter, it comes up most of the time, different accounts. And then you have no choice. It always comes on. Whether you keep on blocking them, they come up. But then you cannot do without it because there are some other things that you need to learn from that particular app. So how do you go about that one? That's one. And then you said flee and cut off. That's how to stop these things. So how do you actually cut off these things or flee from it when it is put to you by force academically? 
in school then in theater art and um, fine art there was one of the courses that a particular course and that um, topic or something was about um, the nude theater so our lecturer brought a projector to class and showed us a theater where only naked people act just naked people male and female so seeing those pictures after the class we're not even concentrating on what was being taught, what the new theater was all about. All what we're hearing from the ladies here, see that guy, let me see that guy. So with that, we could not even learn. So how do you avoid such scenario when it is put to you academically? Then in fine art, there's what they call nude painting. The nude painting has to do with a naked man or woman for you to paint. So there's this, my guy. He's always interested in, guy, I did go for painting. Now nude class, nude painting. He's always going for that. So with these things always popping up in your face, there's, all, there's a tendency that you start thinking differently from it academically. You're not just going to start seeing it from the view that they will set questions from it, but now your mind is gradually taking this thing. What you continuously see is what you possibly become. So how do you go about things like that? Okay, uh, let me start from the Twitter stuff. I, I really don't do Twitter a lot, but I think I, I know a little about social media. And it works with your search. It works with your search. and. Um, on Instagram, you have the option when wheels pop up, there's a part of interested or not interested if you are used to the new features on Instagram. Whatever it is that you search for, Facebook on Instagram, they begin to pop up such ads and such things. They will say, you may also like this. So you are popping up, you are seeing reels that are popping up that is not even in relation to probably what you wanted. For example, I was talking to Rev yesterday, well, some days ago, we were talking about banga soup. It was banga soup and starch, and we just had the conversation. So it shows you how far technology has gone. And the moment I open my phone, the next set of reels that are popping up is banga soup. Is banga soup. So it has gone to the point where Periwinkle with periwinkle, and in this, I did not search for such, but such came up. So you have um, your technology now reading your minds and popping up suggestions for you. So there is always, I don't know if that is applicable to Twitter, but you can have a hold of it on Instagram. Not interested in this. So if you do that over time, it would not pop up. Not a hundred percent, but it's something that can be controlled. And I think there is nobody here that opens up a site of late, maybe an internet person, that you won't find one of all those two things pop up. The issue is not you eradicating 
it from coming to you. It would always come to you. The issue is, how have you guided yourself that when it comes, you have a fence, you have so, so solidly built yourself in God that no matter how you put this thing to me, I am so guided that I can't withstand it. Who says that if I'm training myself not to lie, the next attack that comes to my mind or situations that comes to my face is situations that will make me lie. It's situations that will make me lie. So the issue is not you being in control of what comes at you. It's you building yourself that when those fairy darts of the enemy comes, my fence is so well guided that it's not affecting me. It's not affecting me. So will those um, pages keep popping up? Yes, they would keep popping up. And I believe that whatever it is that if you're able to navigate your way through, it can be limited to an extent. And I believe that's how social media works as of today. It can be limited to an extent, not, not a hundred percent. So the issue is not if I would see these challenges, if these challenges will come. The issue is you building yourself so that when these challenges come, you are able to stand your ground against them. Then for the educative aspect of it, there are surgeons who operate on naked women, right? There are doctors who deal with naked women every day, pediatricians. They, for heaven's sake, I was in the labor ward. A man checked me. A man checked, how many minutes are you? Reverends, I'm sorry I'm saying this, but how many um, centimeters? How many? There are people that have to deal with these things every day. It's it is you. It is not what the, the lecturer did not bring that thing to you so that it will corrupt your mind. He brought it to you for what? Educative purpose at that point in time. So it's left to you. If you know that you can still do well in the course without going through it, oh, that's fine. But if you know that your mind can be fixed away from it and get what is in his mind for you to get from it, okay. That's all right. There are people who have been tempted with, with, with um, themselves and women who are naked. And they did not fall for it. Yes. And they did not fall for it. They've built themselves so much not to fall for such temptations, no matter the way the enemy tries to picture it to them. So the way you are seeing it in your final, there are people that have to deal with looking at women who are naked every other day. But what, 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 what has worked so well for them is that they know this is for this particular reason. They know this is for this. This is for So build your mind and build your heart to that point that those things do not stand as triggers to you. They don't stand as, they come as temptations, but they don't get to you. Praise God. If you walk around the street, you'll see naked boys and naked girls everywhere. There's no day that you'll go without seeing images on, your, on the way. Boys are becoming naked too. They leave their dress open. You see everything. You think ladies are not enticed with that too? <laughs> it's vice versa. Do you understand? As you walk around, you see girls that are naked, without bra, with showing everything. 
So if you think it's only in the phone, you need to avoid it. They are, they are right there. They are even, some are even hugging you and talking to you face to face. It's true. Let's be realistic. We see them every day. They come to our, they come to our shops. They come to our business places. Some are your friends, self. And some of you dress like that, too. So the best thing is guard your heart. It's your heart you guard. It's not what you will see because now you will see them everywhere. Praise God. And it's getting worse by the day. That's the truth. Um, good evening. My question is not very far from this. Uh, the, okay. My question is not very far from this. Um, there are those of us that have, um, I'm trying to pin a word on it, that has a very, that has a mind that explodes. Like if I am doing music, my mind goes wide. If I'm writing, my mind goes wide and all that. So like I tend to think a lot and I think I tend rather to remember pictures and I, I'm not I'm definitely not going to paint myself as a saint I have done crazy things in the past and <laughs> I have done crazy things in the past and you need to go for treatment <laughs> <laughs> and I can still remember pictures of I'm not even talking of my teenage age I can still remember pictures of me being molested as a child. I don't even think I was up to five then. So, like, things like that. So, lately, by God's grace, or let me say recently, I, I am trying personally to fix my mind on some certain things. Lately, by God's grace, I'm trying to, like, study more, fix my eyes more, and things like that. But there is this issue I have sometimes, like, I can be praying, and from nowhere, <coughs> we bless God. From nowhere, like, the things that we just fly in, and I'll be like, Jesus, like, no, no, no. But um, it doesn't, just those pictures. So this one now, at, at this point, it's not like I see, but those pictures are just already there in the mind. Like, preferably, if there are ways to forget those things, I, I think I would prefer it because they, they pop up like <laughs> when I don't expect. Like I'm just there and boom. Praise God. Praise God. We are being real. I've watched porn myself. I have watched porn myself. And if you watched porn at your tender age, those were the how which malleable states of your brain, meaning that your brain was still very much being molded. So it was molded with these images. So as you grow, your brain becomes less malleable. Something you can bend. So whatever you feed it stays scientifically. And it's hard to eradicate. So if you were fixed with, um, if you had a struggle with negative images at tender age, those images would be very hard to forget, but it is possible to live above. Because as you grow into an adult, those images, 
I, I know what porn looks like. I have watched porn for several hours. I know what porn looks like. Do I live by those things? No, it's not what cultures need anymore. It's not what. I don't find satisfaction in it. The fact that you can't remember it shows that your brain is working well, my brother. You can't remember it. Fine. The issue is, do I live by it? When you pray, there's nobody that doesn't struggle with their mind wandering. Hello? Is there anybody that has not struggled? That you are praying, your mind will just wander to different things. To different things. But you know what? You need to restructure your mind back to where you need it to go. That's why they said, feed your mind so much. with The, the scripture I read, Galatians 5.16, it says, the Holy Spirit is in control. The Holy Spirit is in control. So you now have the ability to take your mind from those images that were fixed on it when you were young to what you now want it to be fixed on. Like I said, you are not trying. You are retraining. No child walks in a day. It is a process. Sometimes your, this particular process is not in It's not two minutes. It's like cooking beans that is like stone. It's going to take a while. And you might never forget. But what God wants you to do is live above it. Live above the effects of what you are now seeing. So instead of fixing your mind on those images, now fix your mind on God and what he wants you to see. Intentionally, there are some things. I've, I've, I've had a series of months where I've, um, I'm dreaming some bad, 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 bad dreams almost every day. And I intentionally now told myself that I would never sleep an ordinary sleep. Not because I was afraid of sleeping. Because when I sleep, what I am seeing I don't like it. So it's like when I wake up the whole of my day, my mind can't get itself from that. But I had to take a drastic spiritual step to say I would not sleep an ordinary sleep. So God, you now need to be revealing to me visions, revelations of better sins than what I am seeing. Because the enemy is giving me a picture that I don't want. And I don't want to live by. So it is a gradual process. You won't forget it. I was talking with Royal one day. I were driving home and there was a song that played. I think it was a Rihanna song or so. So she was singing the song. And I sang along. And I told her, no, Roya, that's not what they said in that part of the song. This is what they said in that part of the song. I like, ah, Mama, you know this song. How did you know it? I said, the fact that I don't do those songs anymore doesn't mean I've forgotten the lyrics. Hello. But that's no more my standard. That's no more the standard. So it might take a while, a really long while, for you to actually have a blurry, even a blurry image of those things. But you now need to put yourself that I'm no longer living by that thing that is flashing up. And let me tell you, whatever you tell God to take off, he takes it off that sometimes you can't even remember it. You're trying to picture how did this thing, you just know that I had this particular time of my life where this thing, how did it, tell him to replace those pictures. The reason why we're still struggling with some certain things as regards visualization is because you are not seeing anything in the spirit. If you begin to see bigger revelations in the spirit, you will see 
it will wipe out those things. You will struggle to remember them. So as you said, you are now feeding yourself with so much of the word of God. Begin to create visual representations of what you are now reading. So there is a replacing because something overtook something before. So there has to be an exchange. There has to be an exchange. The soul is what feeds your mind. Feed your soul right. And your mind would be right. Feed your soul. Because man is in complete transformation every day as a believer. You never get to the point of perfection until you get to be with the father but while you are here on earth you are still in the flesh you are in a process and this process doesn't stop this process is continuous and it is very largely dependent on how much of God that you carry how do I carry God habitually feeding on his word habitually feeding on the spirit of God and you will see that gradually that image will become blurry because even your mind will be so focused on fixing my eyes on Jesus. Fixing my eyes on what God, it's just like you telling me every day, God, give me a visual representation of what you want today to be like. Tell me what you need me to do. Show me. Show me. Those are drastic prayers that we should pray at our young age. Show me. He said what? That my young men, they will do what? They will dream dreams. They will dream. They will see visions. What are your eyes seeing? They are seeing things of the past because you've not dug into the present for God to show you greater things. Beat yourself and beat yourself. Discipline yourself so much that I feed myself with the word of God. My mind has nothing else but to think upon the word of God. So anytime the enemy tries to come in with a contrary image, it is countered because I have more of God on the inside of me. The reason why the enemy will bring up those other images is because, my dear, you are still in the flesh. You are still in the flesh. When I mean by not outside of the nature of God now, you are still in the body. You are still in the body. So your mind will still work. It's like saying, because I'm a pastor, I will not get tired. If you overstress yourself, you will, you will do what? You will get tired because you are still in the body. It's like saying, because I now carry the nature and the mind of God, I will not have a headache. If you stress yourself too much, you will do what? Have a headache. But does that mean that the headache is what controls my divine nature? No. Does that mean the, the headache is what I now live by? No. Does that mean that the headache is what controls me now? No. So what I need you to do is feed yourself so much with the word of God that those images over time becomes blurry. You would remember there was an experience like that. Sometimes they will never go away, but they will never have an effect on you. They can even become a message for you. God can do something with whatever it is that you have experienced in your past. Whatever addiction that you are going through right now, if you are able to walk with God through the process, it can become your message. There are people who have built ministries out of struggles that they have been through. There are pastors who have gone through addictions of drugs, cocaine, opioid, coke, whatever it is. That is what they, they, they have transformational ministries now. So the point from which you look at these struggles also matter a lot. But, there's, but if you give in to God and his word, there's always a place for those images to be replaced. You would see it, but you would get a different message. You would see it, but it would be a different message. It would be a different message. Praise God.
So good evening, everybody. Um, my question is, how, um, I believe like some of us have young ones and you see porn and, porn and masturbation usually or most times um, started during teenage or during young age. So my question is, how do we control it? Yes. I think controlling it is somehow difficult because you cannot go with them to wherever they go. Praise God. Um, and most times, it's, it's, God, it's the Holy Spirit that helps people. That's, that's how I can say it. It's the Holy Spirit that helps people. I remember when I was younger, I almost started this lesbianism thing with my cousin. My cousin's sister. Do you understand? Because we were curious. Anytime our, our parents were always watching all this Nigeria film, when it gets to that point, they will now remove it. You understand? But I don't know how God just, I don't know, seriously, if you ask me. I think it's the Holy Spirit that will help them. Then another thing that will help them is teaching them this thing at a very young age. Teaching them. Bring them to church. Teach them this thing at a very young age. There are some things that, okay, let me use last um, when Reverend was preaching last week, I was sitting with his children. He was talking about soda. We, there was an image there. And his daughter asked me, Auntie, what is soda? I said, Coke, Pepsi. Oh, my dad used to drink it. Even my mom, so even I. And that is saying it's wrong. Do you understand? I was like, ah. I told her, I said, addiction. We're talking about it. Too much of it is what we are saying. As, as young as she is, she already knows that if you, are do, if you are an older person and you are doing something, if they see, if you are doing something, they feel it's right. Let me put it like that. So most times they look at us as their, as their mentor or role, made, uh, role model. So whatever you do affects them. Praise God. Praise God. Then another thing that can help is show them love. Don't be bossy to them. I used to be very stubborn. I have an elder brother then. And you don't dare me. Don't tell me you cannot do this thing. I will do it. I remember then in the compound, they were saying, you know, if you smoke, I smoked. My brother beat me, beat me that day. As in, I did it because he was always trying to, if you just see me coming out from the house, say, go inside. Do you understand? Go inside. Why is, who is that boy you're talking to? Who is this one? So I felt like, eh, you want to show me, say, you know, be two years, this near me. Do you understand? The best way you can really help people is to show them genuine love. Teach them. Let them know why you don't want them to do this thing. Don't try to, to impose, because they will not know why you are doing it. Don't play with that boy again. Don't play with that boy. They will not understand why you don't want them to play with that. Tell them why. Do you understand? Tell them why. My elder brother, my mom used to shout that time, Lecturer's son. Lecturer's son. Your daddy in the grave. He will be ashamed of you. Lecturer's Once he just catches me playing with anybody that is not Eh? Do you understand? That thing there, it helped my brother because anytime she's saying it, she'll be telling him that if your father was alive, she used, used to discuss it with him as if she was not imposing. She never trained us with that big thing. You will not go out. You will not do this. Another thing that helps young people, let them bring their friends home. You will see their friends. Then you know how to advise them. So, but when you are always bullying them or shouting at them, they'll go outside behind your back. You will not know what is happening. Do you understand? So if you have a younger one and you are 
you are interested in that yoga person, the first thing you should do is bring the person close to yourself. Make the person become your friend. Then advise the person. It's advice nowadays, even your children, it's advice. You cannot force any child or anybody to do anything right now. It's advice. Tell them why they should not do this thing. Then always pray with them and pray for them. Praise God. Are you finished? Andrew. Yeah, sorry, just, um, I'm very sorry, just to add to what you said, not like add a question from what you said. Um, whatever I know sexually, I learned outside, not from my parents or my elder ones. Instead, I only got encouraged from my immediate elder brother to do some kind of corny things. But then, learning the actual thing, I learned every other thing sexually outside. Now, you ask us to um, draw our younger ones with love and all. But since I actually didn't get that from my elder ones or parents, I feel I have a younger one now that is of teenage age. Now, I feel I can't talk to him about these things because, like, it's, it's sort of too big for me to see or to start talking like or somehow I see him as too young to start discussing such with it's over it should be like um, 14 15 but now at what age should you talk to these people vulgarly about these things praise God praise God contrary to him I grew up with my parents teaching me everything I know about sex everything I know about drugs. I have parents who stayed, who worked in the psychiatric hospital, my mom and my dad, for 35 years. Everything about addiction, I did not learn outside. Everything about drug, I did not learn outside. I know them at the tip of my fingers. I know the tactics. My mom would sit us every Saturday morning, and that would be the discussion for almost two hours. We're talking about Everything about contraceptive. I was, I was the only girl, has three brothers. Everything about contraceptive, everything about condoms, everything, she would spill the beans because she would not want them to teach you outside because she deals with people who they have taught outside and it has never ended well for majority of them for majority of them. You see, um, we talked about drugs, talked about alcoholism, masturbation, pornography. It's just like one rope ties every one of them. As little as I can remember. You can't tell. Have you seen three-year-old kissing before? Two three-year-olds. Two three-year-olds, they are kissing each other. They know. My dear, they no. They, gone are those days where you say, okay, maybe this one, maybe begin grow breasts first. When you begin, when you start to grow breasts, we'll now teach her um, what to. There is, it now depends on, I told you something, I said, you don't have to be explicitly graphic. You know a child and to an extent, what that child, knowledge that child can handle. 
at that point in time. When you see a child who is already practicing three-year-old, they're already about to kiss each other, that child has seen something that he wants to practicalize. So if you have younger ones, I beg you, don't allow the streets teach them. Don't. Don't allow the streets teach them. You might be in a home where it seems like your parents are not even saying this particular thing. You are getting this so that you know what to do. You do the research. You, from experiences of people, call them together and talk to them. It's until you begin to see the, God forbid, you begin to see the other side of what addiction brings then you begin to fault yourself that, ah, this word, I would have told him, I would have spoken about it. I not even entered school. When they were, they even started telling me that, ah, my mom told me that when you get to school, don't, don't, if you go to a party, don't drink anything, no, eh? They used to use syringe to put in this. I had not entered school. I was in secondary school. There, I'm talking about drugs right now. There are people, they have a young ward in that psychiatry. There's a young ward for children. In secondary school, they are there, addicted to drugs. Addicted to drugs. So they schooled me on all these things. So I didn't go out there as a novice. If you have this knowledge, as they begin to grow, start bringing it up to them. Listen to what they are saying. When they are saying some things, you will know the knowledge that they already have. The truth is that most times, when we have younger ones, we, have to, we are not so watchful of them. Watch them. By the things they do, you now begin to know the knowledge they've already gotten outside of what they, they are being taught at home. Then you now know where to school them and how to school them. I can't tell you that when a child is three years old, start teaching the child what sexual intercourse is, what contraceptive is, what um, addiction is, drugs and all of that. Watch that child. What knowledge consigning this thing can this child handle now? And ensure that that child has that knowledge. Teach the child some certain things. As the child grows, you begin to know how to be explicit. You know how to come up with other information to them. So there's actually no, no, no age bracket to say, okay, at this age, I should start teaching this child about sex in 2023. Children differs. Children differs. But ensure that you don't deprive them of the knowledge. Let them not get schooled outside. It's never a good thing. Praise God. Praise God. So last year when I traveled home for my sister's wedding, I had a conversation with my brothers and my cousins. And I just like brought up the idea talk about sex. And when these guys were telling me things that they've done, I was like, now me good pass for this family. Because, okay, one of my brothers was like telling me he had, first time he had sex was in primary six. I'm like, I don't finish secondary school. I don't even start university before I did think of those kind of things. My SS3, one boy was like, we're having a conversation in the hostel after work. I was like, when somebody, only a girl and a boy enters the room and they say they're having sex, maybe they used to climb each other like this. <laughs> and, it was all those other bigger boys and I told us, no, this is not what they used to do. This is what they used to do. And I'm like, oh, so this is what sex is like. So at this point where I feel these boys already know more than me. They've done more things than I have done. 
they like they don't see things. Like, I, I was talking to like um, my last one a couple of days, and I'm like, say, bros, I don't do things. Like, <laughs> they explained the three sum of our Jesus for here for inside this house, and I felt okay. I was the one that was praising by my mom and my dad, and I told them a couple of days. I was talking to my brother, and like when I was coming for to school in. I was coming to Phoenix South, man, 16, yes. My mom told me, she was just praying for me that morning when I left, and at the point she just told me, Abraham, please, if you feel like you cannot just hold yourself when you want to have sex, use a condom. And I laughed. And that day, when I told my brothers, they were like, mommy knows that you be a good boy, now. and I know she could take that kind of thing. <laughs> she never tried. <laughs> so, like, okay, and I mean, I, I don't know what to say anymore. At that point, I was like, how do I, I like talk to these people I know more? This was, they know things more than me. Like, they'll call drugs, call, I, like, I never, I don't have the mind to even try it. So I would like talk to them, and that's one. I think um, of late, so somebody in our last, in our former auditorium, somebody said something. There was one Sunday I was dancing and dancing, like after church, somebody messaged me on Facebook. And she was like, the first time, man. So I was like, so we got talking, and what does it say? Do you wear your demand, wear your waist, then? If you hook, then, <laughs> Jesus. So I was like, from that day onwards, I was cautious of how I dance. <laughs> to be honest, there are things I used to, the way I used to dance, they, I don't, I don't deny, like, oh, Then, one other time, like, I, was, I was singing, and everyone told me, oh, you don't use it true for this trouser like this. <laughs> Since then, since then, I have not worn that trouser anymore. <laughs> I swear. Or even if I'm wearing the trouser, I now make clothes that are long to like my knees. So there's no way anybody, or big clothes, something like that. Because I feel when somebody starts objectifying the whole thing, I had, that's like, that's one, two questions. And the second question was like, okay, I'm not. <laughs> Then last question is like, okay, this two weeks ago, I was talking to a female friend, and she was like, she was asking me a question, Abraham, do I like always dress scrappy? I'm like, I don't know. What are you wearing? It was like she was walking and like three guys had already called and we were asking her. One was already, she just passed and I was like, oh more, like, who is this girl? Like, so she was like, she doesn't know how to feel. She needs to act. I'm like, okay, send me a picture of what you're wearing. And when she showed me, she was wearing a boo-boo dress. Hope she's big naturally. So like, it's just guys basically. How do you like talk to this kind of person who already have like the objectify people, both on the male side and on the female side? I don't wear joggers because the girl has told me when you wear joggers, man, so you be. I try not. I just there are some things I don't wear. I don't. I try not to wear tight polo and all those kind of things. But how do you like? Come up with your face. How do I like talk to these my younger ones that already know more than me? That I'm more not be the way with this. <laughs> well, like they like they feel I'm inexperienced in a game. At one, then two. How do you um, talk to people who objectify the opposite gender, both male and female? Praise God. Praise God. Um, I think how you can help them or talk with them first of all is to talk about Christ with them. No, to go church and to know God now two different things. It's to talk about Christ with them. Do you understand? 
The first thing is to talk about Christ. And when you talk with them, talk with them as if people are discussing. Do you understand? As they are talking to you, you are, you are giving them some things. You are throwing back some things to them. Don't talk to them as if you want to, you want to preach to them. Do you understand? Talk to them as if you, you are discussing. That's the best way you can, you can deal with it. There's a guy that got born again. He used to be my customer. He used to come to this church, but he's in Winners. He, when I knew him, he was a drug addict. He's a young guy. He used to come to church now. He's a believer now, born again. Anytime he comes to my church, I just, the only thing I preach to him, because anytime I just talk about give your life to Christ, there are groups, they were in this HQ, I don't know what they used to call it, I don't know, HQ or HK, I don't know what they call it. But this particular guy, I just saw him that he had this heart for God. But he was so, he has gone to Ghana, and he, he had a bad experience there. They used to drug them every morning. It was as bad as that. The only thing I preached to him was, he was not going to church at all, so I told him to start going to church. He started going to church. He was still taking the drug. He will come from church, he will pass my shop and go to the back. They used to sell it as one back and take. When he's coming, I'll say, Ima. I'll just hail him like that and you just go. <laughs> but do you know what happened? A particular day just reached. He just came to my shop and he said, um, I want to see your husband. I met, he met my husband. They just discussed. He just told my husband that he wanted to leave the house where he was staying. Ah, where do you want to stay? He said, nowhere. Me, I'm scared of the guy. People that take drugs, I'm usually scared of them. So there was no way I would accommodate him in my house. This guy started staying inside the church. Was he still taking drugs? Yes. But the first thing that saved him was immediately he left that environment because if you, are, if you have ever been around those people, you see that out of 40 boys, like 90, um, 49 take drugs, only one that is usually free. If you have been around them, some take drinking one, some take smoking, you understand? So the first thing he did was to break free from them. Then guilt started set in. He was feeling guilty. He came to meet me. He said we should help him beg his um, boss that they should forgive him. Those ones were saying he should come back. He was saying he was not. The guy suffered. But it was at that period, at that period that I saw that he has left there. That was when I started preaching Christ to him. Because I saw it that at this time, he's now, you understand? Because there was no way I would preach Christ to him in that house that he would believe. Because the same people that he would not smoke with, he would beg them for food. So immediately I started preaching Christ to him. I asked him, what would you like to do? He said he, he has learned fashion before. I said, I have a cousin that sews very well. I called him. He's a pastor. I directed him to him. I told my cousin his predicament and told him I want to be giving him feeding money. Do you understand? Now, this guy is a free man now. If you see him, you will not even believe it. He's a free man. After I got him, there's another one now, too, that I'm working on, too. You cannot just, the way I see it, so you cannot just go and meet them and tell them that what you are doing is a sin. Because they already know that it's a sin. The first thing you should do is discuss with them. They look at this church thing as um, like party, a place that you just have to go. So let the Holy Spirit lead you, number one. Then number two, we are leading them to Christ. Don't do it as if you know all. Discuss with them. Let hear their opinion. Then tell God to give you the right answer to give to them. And I know that by God's grace, they will change. Then another thing that will help them, another thing that can help a man, if you are going to a, a right church, a church where the word of God is preached, if you are going to church, that's why the first thing I tell them, those guys, I make sure they go to church. 
If they don't go on Wednesday, they will go. On Monday, they will go. If you are going to church constantly, every day, Bible says, as you are hearing, your mind keeps getting renewed. Do you understand? So if you are not going to church at all, say you want to do it from home, there's no way. Then if you are going to church, your mind keeps getting renewed. Then if you know you cannot help the person, you can introduce them to somebody that's higher that can help them. Then pray for them. It's the Holy Spirit that will make them have that encounter that they really desire. Praise God. Mama, answer the <laughs> Praise God. I think the most, the most, the people that are hardest for us to reach out to are those ones that are actually really close to us. That's the truth. Those ones that are actually close to us, that know us, they know your thoughts, they know when you are doing the wrong thing, and you are preaching to them not to do that thing, they know it. So uh, um, outside of doing all of that, you now also need to exemplify what you are trying to tell them to do. They need to see that if you are trying to preach abstinence, purity to them, it has to be reflected in you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can bring them to curiosity. How are you doing this? How are you able to do this particular thing? So added to what Pastor Cordelia said. And for the other aspect of it, whoever is objectifying you has the problem, not you. It brings low... It makes you feel a certain way. Like, okay, because um, they have said this particular thing, it makes you conscious of your body. So sometimes it could actually, whatever they have said, could actually be a distraction that nobody's actually telling you. But they are close enough to tell you. But you, like you said, you've now decided to work on that particular thing, okay? I know, okay, let me be simple. There are guys where who, for example, say you're no longer wearing joggers. There are briefs you can wear under joggers that will make your... <laughs> there are briefs. No, let, let's, 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 be, let's be... There are briefs you can wear under, under joggers that will make that area of your body not so out there. You could wear tighter briefs. You could look for a way to, to walk around it. So, but, not, but whoever objectifies you has the problem, not you. Even in rape cases, they tell you that no matter how a lady dresses, you don't have any reason to rape her. So you can't say, because she opened all her breasts down, that is why I raped her. No. No. The floor is on your end. You are, you are the one that has committed the crime. So whoever objectifies you has a problem. And for the lady who is wearing boo-boo gown or whatever she's wearing, and she has no reason to, to feel a certain way because of some certain things that some guys said to her, they have the mind problem. But like for your own case, where you say somebody said something like this, I believe there are other measures you can put in place that, okay, this person might just be saying it, probably is actually a real distraction. I could look into it and actually do better. But in terms of objectifying, you don't have the problem. So don't have that effect of low self-esteem and all of that. But if there are ways where you feel like, as a believer, I should dress better so that I don't become a distraction, why not? You should. Male or female? Have you been blessed tonight? <laughs> Only these guys here are just smiling. The rest of you are angry. Have you been blessed tonight? 
Allah and this other brother, they are angry. We do not touch their life. Their life is very strong. Please celebrate our panelists. Amen. Amen. If you have any other questions, you can see them later. They will minister to you. Hallelujah. Now, in closing, don't forget, Vigil is next Friday, our prayer night. It's going to be amazing. Amen. God is good. I'm excited about it. And on Sunday, uh, which is the second, is Tehillah worship service. Amen. Before we close, just bow your heads and ask God for help. If you're here or you're watching online and you've ever had this struggle, you can speak to God right now and say, Lord, help me. Help me.